about to us as a church addressing the subject of what church used to be like. Now you can get all nostalgic, nostalgic about that and remember in the good old days when we used to sing from hymn books and we used to um, do all kinds of old fashioned things, you know, women weren't allowed in church without a hat on. Men had to wear ties. Men weren't allowed to have long hair. We ain't got that problem today, have we? You know, Prince is the only one with long hair. But I'm not too sure it's his real hair. So, but what I want to get at is not some nostalgia, not something that we think, oh, this is the way church should be. I want to get at, well, what does the Bible got to say about this? Can we get a bit of a glimpse from the New Testament um, particularly Acts of the Apostles that will show us something of how church is meant to be or how church was back in the day before the people messed it up before the devil started attacking it God had a plan, he had a design now the church, not this church literally um, physically but the church, God's church has been around for about 2,000 years the day of Pentecost, Spirit of God came and the church began to grow and they were being added to daily. That's what the Bible teaches us. In those 2,000 years, there has been cultural influences upon the church, which is not necessarily a bad thing, because in some countries they don't do church the way we do church, and they're happy with it, because they're getting some of the real fundamentals right. Church has been influenced through the generations. Unfortunately, some generations are still living, a couple of generations back and trying to make a couple of generations of church work today when really we need to be relevant to the generation that we are in today and that's a challenge in itself so church has been influenced by denominations now personally i think the church of god is made up of lots of different flavors and so although we are trying to be lively and upbeat and enthusiastic some churches are somber I think that's still part of God's flavour. And people can fit into that and grow and nurture in that and what God wants. So just because the church is not like we are, doesn't mean to say that they are wrong. It's just a different flavour that God would use to reach different people. Sometimes church has been influenced by the leader. By the leader coming in and shaking things up and messing things about. And sometimes it's been good, sometimes it's been bad. But the church is constantly under influence. Um, by many different factors. But what I want to try and get at is try and get a glimpse of how God wants his church to be, how God meant his church to be. And, and obviously the best place to do that is in Acts of the Apostles. That's where the church began. That's where the church was really new and really fresh and wasn't messed about by people falling out and disagreeing and, and, and becoming stubborn and wanting it their way and not that way and but there's a glimpse in there of something of how God meant his church to be. And you know, I see it like this. I see it as the church is the people. The people where the presence of God is evidence. A community of people where the power of God is evident. A community of people that are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. What if we had that for Dudley? What if that was our reputation here in Dudley Community Church. That we were known for this. That we could somehow 
Get a hold of how God meant church to be, despite all the cultural, personal preferences, generational, and all those things that have influenced us, that for us, all that church was meant to be was a gathering of God's people who spread out into the community, and the presence of God is evident because of our lives. The power of God is evident through our lives. And we're a people who are communicating the good news of Jesus Christ, not just on a Sunday night. And that's often how cultural, generational influences upon the church have affected us. The only time we preach the gospel is Sunday night. We'll be here Sunday night, we'll preach the gospel, but it is not restricted to one meeting. All the time, the people of God are seen to be having the presence of God, the power of God, and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, a church, and this is probably the best place to start, a church without the Holy Spirit is like a car without an engine. You'll get somewhere in it, it'll be very slow, and you'll have to do all the pushing. And when you come to a hill, you'll probably settle at the bottom of the hill. So a church without the Holy Spirit, we don't face the challenges, we don't try and push through when the going's tough, we just simply settle and stay where we are. Church, this church, remember the people, we are meant to be Holy Spirit welcoming. A community of saints that is up for welcoming the Holy Spirit in our lives, not just in our gatherings. Because often we've restricted the Holy Spirit to what happens within our four walls. I don't think God ever meant that to be the case. There was no four walls when Peter and the rest of the apostles and the disciples that were with them went out into the streets and preached the good news. And so often we've restricted the Holy Spirit. You see, how God meant his church to be when it comes to the Holy Spirit is that we are Holy Spirit filled and Holy Spirit following. Simple as that. For me, it's as simple as that. And and that kind of way is my challenge right at the beginning of this. Perhaps in the the next eight weeks or so, however many weeks it is until New Year, that we're kind of way just reinforcing what's already been there, but we're reinforcing it and refreshing ourselves and reminding ourselves that we, according to God's design plan, as I see it in Acts of the Apostle, are meant to be Holy Spirit filled and Holy Spirit following. And we somehow try and grasp that and get a hold of that and put that back into operation in our lives today. There's a story of a man called D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was uh, an amazing preacher and an amazing preacher of the gospel. God used him amazingly to bring people to Jesus Christ. Now D.L. Moody... He felt in his spirit that he wanted to do a campaign to reach the people of a particular location. And as the gathering of church leaders met together to talk about this, to pray about this, this very esteemed elderly pastor said, Why do we need Mr. Moody? He's uneducated, he's inexperienced. He doesn't know the people. He doesn't know the area. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? 
And everybody was in silence and in respect of this esteemed pastor. Then a younger guy stood up who appeared to be a bit wiser. And he said, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. And sometimes there's a difference that we need to remember. Does the Holy Spirit have the monopoly on us? Or do we think that we have the, whole, the monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And this is my question to you simply. And for some of you this may be old hat. And I may be trying to teach my granny to suck eggs. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? For some of you it may be, oh my word. Not that Holy Spirit stuff again. I bet he talks about tongues. And I feel silly when I talk in tongues. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you in this moment in time possessed by the Holy Spirit? Is he in you? Is he at work within you? See, Jesus made this promise. And he said this to his disciples. But you know, if I go away, it's to your advantage. He was talking before his, his death on the cross and the resurrection. If I go away, it's to your advantage. Because I am then going to send to you a helper. I'm going to send to you the helper. Who will come to you. And he will be your helper. Because you see, if Jesus hadn't sent the Holy Spirit. We'd be a church without an engine. We'd have a, 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 a set of sayings that Jesus said when he was here on the earth. Many religions are there that are just living on a set of sayings of some holy man. But you know we're something more than just the sayings of Jesus Christ. And they are important in themselves. We have the Holy Spirit. We do have the engine. Because Jesus made the promise. And this is something also worth reminding that the Apostle Paul told us about in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1 and verse 20. He said all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Amen. So if he made the promise because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And he's not a dead saint. He's not a dead holy man. He's a living saviour. Because he made those promises and he is alive. All of his words are true. And so therefore... The promise that the Holy Spirit will come to be our helper is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. The promises are there to be received. The promises of God this very morning. Can you imagine? Don't imagine it, but can you believe this? That Almighty God has made promises and they are available to be fulfilled in our lives this very morning. This very day, they can be fulfilled in our lives. Now Jesus didn't say, and this is the danger, Jesus didn't say that the Holy Spirit was only for some believers. He didn't say it was just for the apostles. He didn't say it was just for those who belong to a particular denomination. It's not just for the Pentecostals. Jesus simply said, I will send him to you. If you're a born again believer this morning, you have been promised the Holy Spirit. He's for you. He's there to be your helper, to be your strength, to be your guide, to be your comforter. 
to be one who will correct you and challenge you. See, Jesus keeps his promises, yes? And so on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, not only upon the apostles, but upon everyone in that upper room. There just wasn't 11 guys in the upper room not knowing what to do. There was a load of people. There was women in the upper room. There was lots of disciples there in the upper room. And they were all waiting, wondering what to do, frightened of what was going on outside. They were there. Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus put it like this. Before the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Luke 11 verse 13. Ask and you will receive. After his resurrection, after he was raised from the dead and he appeared to the disciples and appeared to to thousands of people, He said to the disciples, to the apostles in Acts 1 and verse 4, he said, wait, wait. So he said before his death, ask. After his resurrection from the dead, he said, wait. On the day of Pentecost, it now becomes receive. In Acts 2 and verse 38, when the apostle Peter was preaching to the crowd, he said to them, repent, be baptized, you will receive the Holy Spirit. So the emphasis changed from simply asking to waiting. It's changed to receiving. And I believe that we're in the day of receiving. Since the day of Pentecost, the church is now in the place of where we are to receive the Holy Spirit. Receive what God wants to pour out into his church. God sent his Spirit Because God means his church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's God's design. That's God's plan. The church is filled with the Holy Spirit. The people are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the glimpse that I get before anything was messed up in the church. On the day of Pentecost, on the birth of the church, every one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to experience that encounter? I'm not asking you if you're born again. If you are born again, praise God. That's the first step. But what next? I don't want to stay at the bottom of the hill where there's a challenge in my life. I don't want to be spending all my life trying to push things uphill. There is a helper. There is a strength. There is an experience of God that comes next to our lives that you can experience you can encounter if you're born again Jesus said repent be baptised and you'll receive the Holy Spirit if you're not born again well you've got to start there haven't you and get yourself born again this morning ask Jesus to be your saviour forgive you of your sins he can do it this morning the Bible tells us now is the time for salvation don't wait until you're close to death to ask to be saved God can do it today are you filled with only three simple steps? Again, meditation, granny to suck eggs. For three simple steps for you to experience, to encounter the Holy Spirit today. So that we are the church that God meant us to be, Holy Spirit filled. Set aside all of the cultural, generational, personal. Set them all aside. Let's just go, boom. Church God meant 
to have in the world was one that was filled with the Holy Spirit. Three steps. Acknowledgement. Asking. And accepting. It's amazing. Even in heaven they have things beginning with the same letter. Acknowledgement of the gift of God. Asking for the gift of God. And accepting the gift of God. In Acts chapter 8, there's a man called Simon. He's seen the power of the Holy Spirit working through the disciples, the apostles. And seen what was happening. And he looked and he thought, wow, I'll have some of that. And he asked if he could buy it. He wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. As you can imagine, it's impossible to buy any gift. If you have to buy it, it's not a gift. If you have to pay someone for it, it's not a gift. If you have to bribe them and blackmail them and plead with them, it's not a gift. So he couldn't buy it. The only profit to be made from the Holy Spirit is that God is honored and God is praised. The gift of the Holy Spirit, like any gift, is free. There's no strings attached. It's free. Before you receive any gift, you've got to acknowledge it's there. The gift is there. Now, if Jesus made the promise, the gift is there. And so we must acknowledge the Holy Spirit has been given to the church. Acknowledge that the gift has been given. He's given it to us because He loves us. It's a gift. It's a special gift. It's a vital gift. It's an important gift. It's coming to Christmas soon, isn't it? Some of you may have bought some of your Christmas gifts in January, like my wife. Some of you will be stacking them and hiding them on the top of the wardrobe. Kids know they're there. You can tell them Santa's bringing them all you want, but listen, the kids know they are there. Right, okay then. They're there. And you can hide them all you want. They're there. The most important part of being baptized is the Holy Spirit is accepting. Come that day when that man supposedly turns up, okay? They still gotta take them. They still gotta accept them. And so when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we've got to come to the place of saying, hey, listen, God has promised the Holy Spirit. God has poured out the Holy Spirit on the dead Pentecost. It is there. I acknowledge it is all there. But it's it's getting to the place of accepting. I want to accept the Holy Spirit into my life. And you do it by faith. You accept the Holy Spirit into your life by faith. Believing that God has made the promise. Believing that if you ask anything in his name, you will receive. And I'll tell you what, God's not going to withhold the Holy Spirit from someone who genuinely wants to receive the Holy Spirit. For the right reasons, bring honour and glory and praise to God. By faith, believing this day... You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Now we find it more difficult because we can't see, we can't touch, we can't take a hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know it's been promised, but it's easier when you can see it on top of the wardrobe, isn't it? You know it's there, and you know a moment's coming, a day's coming when you're going to get it, and it's going to happen. But with the Holy Spirit, it's different. You can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't touch it. <laughs> Hear people talking, it comes down to faith. It comes down to you believing without doubting the Spirit of God can come in to my life. You can receive the Spirit of God by accepting that gift into your life. And you know when that big day comes on the 25th and you give your children these, these gifts and this will happen. They'll probably play with the little cheap things and take no interest in the things that cost them much, so much money. Or they'll play with the paper and the boxes and all those kinds of things. And I think there's a danger sometimes that we've allowed ourselves because of culture, because of church, we've not used the real thing. And we've not used the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've played around with some stuff on the peripheral. But when it comes to the real thing, how God meant it to be, we're not getting a hold of the Holy Spirit of God into our lives. So we've got to ask, we've got to accept that it comes into our lives. When the big day comes, kids will probably start asking, what am I getting? When is it coming? Can I have this? And you'll say, no, you've got to wait. And then for three weeks beforehand, you'll bribe them and you'll say, you don't behave, the big man won't come. And you know that no matter how they behave, they're still going to get it. When it comes to God, there's no special set-aside day. Anytime, any place, the Spirit of God can be poured in to your lives. Spirit of God, Almighty God, can come into your life. And you can experience the fullness of the Spirit. Not just a part of it. Not just play around with one or two little bits of the Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Paul says to this. Faith comes by hearing. And by hearing the word of God. Can you stick to that? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Maybe you've seen, maybe you've heard wacky stuff that's been associated with the Holy Spirit. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. Just stick to the Spirit of God and pour it into your life. Just stick to believing God wants to bring this to you. How can you be sure you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit? How do you know you've been baptised with the Holy Spirit? Of course it comes down to faith. In Acts chapter 19, there's a story there of the Apostle Paul. He went to a group of Christians, a group of believers. And he asked them if they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. Had they been baptised in the Holy Spirit? They said no. 
So there was evidence that one group of believers had been filled with the Holy Spirit and another had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul knew there was a difference. They knew there was a difference. That one had been filled and one hadn't been filled. So, what was it? I think there's two clear signs. And they're both there for us in that passage of Scripture. Two clear signs that a person has been filled with the Holy Spirit. The first one is tongues. Now, I'm sure we've all heard people talking funny languages. Talking strangely. And talking as if they actually know how to speak the language. It sounds like a second language to them. Well, to me, that's an evidence that a person has been filled with the Holy Spirit. Receiving a new language. It's a heavenly language. They don't know what they're saying. You don't know what they're saying. But God knows what they're saying. It's a heavenly language that is there to enable us to worship and to bless God. And then there's the second evidence. And this is where we have kind of way not taken the whole package. We've just taken the wrapping of speaking in tongues. And that's the only evidence that we're a Pentecostal church. Well, we speak in tongues. We're Pentecostal. But there was more to it than that. There was a whole package. The second evidence is boldness and courage outside the four walls. Boldness and courage in life as they lived out their journey for God. You know, perhaps the most difficult point for, for, for believers is speaking in tongues. It's, it's being released to speak in a new tongue. Sometimes think they're they're making it up. They sometimes feel that they're silly. They sometimes think they're copying other people. And so they withhold and they stand back and they somehow are waiting for things to work without them. That their tongue just goes nine million to the whatever. And it all just comes flooding out. Sometimes it does happen with people like that. But listen, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, I think you're still in full control of your faculties. You're still in control of your tongue. And so when it comes to being baptized with the Holy Spirit, we sometimes use this phrase, it's best to think before you speak, isn't it? Because we've all said stupid things at times. We've all put our foot in it. But when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think it's best to speak before you think. Because sometimes when God's Spirit is moving on you, you're asking for the gift of tongues. You're asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is moving on you. You hear these strange sounds. And as soon as you start analysing them, man, I'm daft. I've lost it. If I said that, you know, people will think I'm crazy. People will think I've missed it somewhere along the line. Listen, when it comes to baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it comes to that experience, that moment, it's better to speak without thinking. It's better to let your mouth say it. If you can't get your tongue around it, the Bible even speaks about groans of the Holy Spirit. And you think, oh, well, I've only got one word. Keep saying the same word. It's like learning a new language. More words will come. More words will come. So it's better to speak it than to spend all your time thinking about it. Don't try to work out a sentence of how you're going to say this and how it's going to come out. 
doesn't matter how strange it sounds, better to open your mouth. Holy Spirit comes, helps us to praise, helps us to worship, helps us to pray, gives us strength and courage, helps us to know the deep things of God. He is our helper. He's our helper. Don't worry about the feelings. It's about faith. It's about trusting God that he wants what's best for you and he wants to put that into your lives. So don't think about the words. Just speak them. Just speak them. Especially here amongst God's people. You're in a safe, secure place. We're going to rejoice over the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not laugh, not ridicule you. Going to rejoice over that. But we want the full package, don't we? We don't just want tongues. And that's what they've done in Pentecostal churches. It's been restricted to tongues. As long as you speak in tongues, we're Pentecostal. That's it. We want the full package. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They spoke and spoke, spoke. They spoke in other tongues and, and declared the gospel with boldness. These bunch of people were in the upper room frightened, not knowing what to do. But when the Holy Spirit came, they were courageous as a lion. And they went out and they started to speak boldly, spread the gospel boldly because of the Spirit of God that was within them. Just notice the difference before the day of Pentecost and after the day of Pentecost. The Apostle Peter was running in fear, he was a coward. After the day of Pentecost, he was out there on the streets, boldly declaring there's salvation in no other name except through Jesus Christ. Repent, believe, be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. No longer hiding, no longer denying. Let's have the full package. Let's not just think we can play around with the things of the Holy Spirit when we're all together as saints and as believers. And, you know, God's Spirit works everywhere, anywhere. In our experience, it doesn't have to be in church. Let me give you a few of my experiences. This is quite a while back, but it was so vivid. And it, it, well, I couldn't believe it. It had actually happened, which sounds funny, doesn't it? You want it, and then when it comes, you don't believe that something like that could happen. Lizzie had been working on a portfolio to become a practice nurse then. And she'd done all the work, three years of work. And she put it all together. It was all ready to be handed in, and that would be it. She was qualified. She left it in the car seat. Somebody came, smashed the window, and took all the stuff. She rang me up after I told her how disappointed I was that she left the car there. <laughs> and I calmed down. And I just sat and God showed me a picture of a tree in the town where we were. I'd never been to the tree before. I had to try and find it because I could see the tree, but I'd never actually stopped being to the tree. God showed me the tree, and without any search, it went to the tree. Everything was under the tree. The people had robbed it, they ran, and they sat under the tree, went through it. It wasn't of value to them, but it was to Lizzie and her journey in life. So it was there. I was praying for a woman once, and she came to me and said, Are we okay in the neck? I've shared this one before. I've got a real pain in my neck. And God just dropped into my heart. Her husband's the pain in the neck. It's her husband. And you think, 
I can't just say your husband's a pain in the neck. <laughs> well, he was actually, but to be he was anyway. And I thought, how am I going to do this? Obviously with sensitivity. Harsh things at home. That was just one. Poof, everything came out. She had her bags packed. She was going home to leave him that night if God hadn't done something. So we were able to help a minister just recently. Lizzie, my wife, she, she likes charity shops. And they all know we're in the charity shop. And she's been going for a couple of years now. And they've all got to know her. She takes stuff to buy stuff. She even buys the stuff she takes sometimes. <laughs> and she's got to know all these ladies. She's invited them all to church. But there was one particular lady she just couldn't gel with. Every time she went into the shop, she just, oh, something got under her skin, but really agitated her. And this has been going on for a couple of years. And she just tried to speak to her, but really got under her skin. And then she was in, and they were all talking. And this one lady said, oh, I've just started my medium business back up. There was something in the spirit that was saying, be careful, be careful. So she did get to share the gospel with this woman. See, the Holy Spirit is always there. Holy Spirit's always at work. He's our helper. Like a car without an engine. Your life can be like a car without an engine. You push and push and push. But without the help of the Holy Spirit, you'll not get very far. I want to finish with this. Are you following the Holy Spirit? I think I've already said it. Let's not hide in the church. Play around with the gifts because it makes us all feel good. Sometimes it makes us look good. The whole package is that we are church 24-7. The Holy Spirit is our helper 24-7. We can reach people in our street, our home, our town, our workplace, on the bus. Got to be wise and sensitive, obviously. But the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. Gifts of revelation don't have to be, I've got a word from the Lord, let me share my picture with you. You do that on the bus and you'll get thrown off, I'm telling you. Nobody will listen to you. But with wisdom and sensitivity, you can have the Holy Spirit involved and speaking in all kinds of situations. See, baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-off event. It's not a one-day wonder, the day I was baptised in the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing thing. And this is what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. Timothy went into a church situation. It was difficult for him. He was a young guy and there was lots of older people looking down their noses at him. And Paul's advice to Timothy was keep the fire burning. It wasn't chased about, confront them, have a load of conflict with them. It was Timothy, keep the fire burning. Keep the Spirit of God burning in your life. Be, as it says in Ephesians, be being baptised with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do the appeal in a minute. <laughs> Man alive. I was feeling good there, so I was. I thought they were running to the front. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Again and again and again. Keep the fire but I really, this is my big challenge. If we're going to be the church that God meant us to be, it's not just in this building. It's not just in this building. 
that we are the church. It's not just in this building. The power of God. The presence of God. The proclaiming of God's word. His gospel. just doesn't happen in here. It's got to spread out. got to spread out from our lives. What God is doing within us. We're going to pray. Perhaps someone will just come and play. One of you just come and play. And we are going to spend a few moments prayer team. You need to come now. And if you want to, hey, keep the fire burning. You want to be baptized in the spirit. Just come and let the people minister to you. Sorry there's no tea and coffee because we've no kitchen this week. Um, so just be sensitive to what is going on. And if you've got to go, you've got to go. If you need to have a chat, then just have a chat. The prayer team will be here to pray with those who want to be ministered to this morning. Let's just take a few moments to allow people to respond.